Chapter Eight of With Clive in India. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Oldman. Chapter Eight: The Grand Assault. The fourteenth of November was a Mohammedan festival, and Riza Sahib determined to utilize the enthusiasm and fanatic zeal which such an occasion always excites among the followers of the Prophet to make his grand assault upon Arcot and to attack at three o'clock in the morning. Every preparation was made on the preceding day, and four strong columns told off for the assault. Two of these were to attack by the breaches, the other two at the gates. Rafts were prepared to enable the party attacking by the new breach to cross the moat, while the columns advancing against the gates were to be preceded by elephants who, with iron plates on their foreheads, were to charge and batter down the gates. Clive's spies brought him news of the intended assault, and at midnight he learned full particulars as to the disposition of the enemy. His force was now reduced to eighty Europeans and a hundred and twenty sepoys. Every man was told off to his post, and then sentries being posted to arouse them at the approach of the enemy. The little garrison lay down in their places to get two or three hours sleep before the expected attack. At three o'clock the firing of three shells from the mortars into the fort gave the signal for assault. The men leaped up and stood to their arms full of confidence in their ability to resist the attack. Soon the shouts of the advancing columns testified to the equal confidence and ardor of the assailants. Not a sound was heard within the walls of the fort until the elephants advanced towards the gates. Then suddenly a stream of fire leaped out from loophole and battlement. So well directed and continuous was the fire that the elephants, dismayed at the outburst of fire and noise, and smarting from innumerable wounds, turned and dashed away, trampling in their flight multitudes of men in the dense columns packed behind them these deprived of the means upon which they had relied to break in the gates turned and retreated rapidly scarcely less prolonged was the struggle at the breaches at the first breach a very strong force of the enemy marched resolutely forward they were permitted without a shot being fired at them to cross the dry ditch mount the shattered debris of the wall and pour into the interior of the fort Forward they advanced until, without a check, they reached the first trench bristling with spikes. Then, as they paused for a moment, from the breastwork in front of them, from the ramparts, and every spot which commanded a trench, a storm of musketry was poured on them, while the gunners swept the crowded mass with grape and bags of bullets. The effect was tremendous. Mowed down in heaps, the assailants recoiled and then, without a moment's hesitation, turned and fled. Three times strongly reinforced, they advanced to the attack, but were each time repulsed with severe slaughter. Still less successful were those at the other breach. A great raft, capable of carrying seventy, conveyed the head of the storming party across the ditch, and they had just reached the foot of the breach when Clive, who was himself at this point, turned two field pieces upon them, and with deadly effect. 
the raft was upset and smashed and the column deprived of its intended means of crossing the ditch desisted from the attack among those who had fallen at the great breach was the commander of the storming party a man of great valor four hundred of his followers had also been killed and Risa sahib utterly disheartened and his repulse at all points decided not to renew the attack he had still more than twenty men to each of the defenders but the obstinacy of their resistance and the moral effect produced by it upon his troops the knowledge that the maharadi horse were hovering in his rear and that kilpatrick's little column was close at hand determined him to raise the siege after the repulse of the assault the heavy musketry fire from the houses around the fort was continued at two in the afternoon he asked for two hours truce to bury the dead this was granted and on its conclusion the musketry fire was resumed and continued until two in the morning then suddenly it ceased under cover of the fire risa sahib had raised the siege and retired with his army to velori on the morning of the fifteenth clyde discovered that the enemy had disappeared the joy of the garrison was immense every man felt proud and happy in the thought that he had taken his share in a siege which would not only be memorable in english history till the end of time but which had literally saved india to us the little band made the fort re-echo with their cheers when the news came in caps were thrown high in the air and the men indulged in every demonstration of delight clive was not a man to lose time the men were at once formed up and marched into the abandoned camp of the enemy where they found four guns four mortars and a great quantity of ammunition a cloud of dust was seen approaching and soon a mounted officer riding forward announced the arrival of captain kilpatrick's detachment not a moment was lost for clive felt the importance of at once following up the blow inflicted by the repulse of the enemy three days were spent in continuous labor in putting the fort of arcot again in a position of defense and leaving kilpatrick in charge there he marched out with two hundred europeans seven hundred sepoys and three guns and attacked and took timari the little fort which before baffled him this done he returned towards arcot to await the arrival of a thousand Marathi horse which morari rio had promised him when these arrived however they proved unwilling to accompany him upon their way they had fallen in with a portion of riza sahib's retreating force and had been worsted in the attack and as the chance of plunder seemed small while the prospect of hard blows was certain the freebooting horsemen refused absolutely to join in a pursuit of the retreating enemy just at this moment the news came in that reinforcements from pondicherry were marching to meet riza sahib at arni a place seventeen miles south of arcot twenty south of valori it was stated that with these reinforcements a large sum of money was being brought for the use of riza sahib's army when the Mahrattas heard the news the chance of booty at once altered their intentions and they declared themselves ready to follow clive 
the greater portion of them however had dispersed plundering over the country and great delay was caused before they could be collected when six hundred of them had been brought together clive determined to wait no longer but started at once for arni the delay enabled riza sahib marching down from valori to meet his reinforcements and when clive after a forced march of twenty miles approached arni he found the enemy composed of three hundred french troops two thousand five hundred sepoys and two thousand horsemen with four guns drawn up before it seeing their immense superiority in numbers these advanced to the attack clive determined to await them where he stood the position was an advantageous one he occupied a space of open ground some three hundred yards in width on his right flank was a village on the left a grove of palm trees in front of the ground he occupied were rice fields which it being the wet season were very swampy and altogether impracticable for guns these fields were crossed by a causeway which led to the village but as it ran at an angle across them those advancing upon it were exposed to the fire of the english front clive posted the sepoys in the village the mahratta horsemen in the grove and the two hundred english with the guns on the ground between them the enemy advanced at once his native cavalry with some infantry marched against the grove while the french troops with about fifteen hundred infantry moved along the causeway against the village the fight began on the english left there the mahratta cavalry fought bravely issuing from the palm grove they made repeated charges against the greatly superior force of the enemy but numbers told and the mahrattas fighting fiercely were driven back into the palm grove where they with difficulty maintained themselves in the meantime the fight was going on at the centre clive opened fire with his guns on the long column marching almost across his front to attack the village the enemy finding themselves exposed to a fire which they were powerless to answer quitted the causeway and formed up in the rice fields fronting the english position the guns protected only by a few frenchmen and natives remained on the causeway clive now dispatched two of his guns and fifty english to aid the hard-pressed mahratta in the grove and fifty others to the village with orders to join the sepoys there to dash forward on the causeway and charge the enemy guns as the column issued from the village along the causeway at a rapid pace the french limbered up their guns and retired at a gallop the infantry dispirited at their disappearance fell back across the rice fields an example which their horsemen on the right already dispirited by the loss which they were suffering from the newly arrived english musketry and the discharges of the field pieces followed without delay clive at once ordered a pursuit the mahrattas were dispatched after the enemy's cavalry while he himself with his infantry advanced across the causeway and pressed upon the main body three times the enemy made a stand but each time failed to resist the impetuosity of the pursuers and the night alone put a stop to the pursuit by which time the enemy were completely routed 
the material loss had not been heavy for but fifty french and a hundred and fifty natives were killed or wounded but the army was broken up the morale of the enemy completely destroyed and it was proved to all southern india which was anxiously watching the struggle that the english were in the field of battle superior to their european rivals this assurance alone had an immense effect it confirmed in their alliance with the english many of the chiefs whose friendship had hitherto been lukewarm and brought over many waverers to our side in the fight eight sepoys and fifty of the mahratta cavalry were killed or disabled the english did not lose a single man many of riza sahib's soldiers came in during the next few days and enlisted in the british force the mahrattas captured the treasure the prospect of which had induced them to join the fight and the governor of arni agreed to hold the town for muhammad ali clive moved on at once to conjurarium where thirty french troops and three hundred sepoys occupied the temple a very strong building clive brought up two eighteen-pounders from madras and pounded the walls and the enemy seeing that the place must fall evacuated it in the night and retired to pondicherry north arcot being now completely in the power of the english clive returned to madras and then sailed to fort st davis to concert measures with mr saunders for the relief of trichinopoly this place still held out thanks rather to the feebleness and indecision of colonel law who commanded the besiegers than to any effort on the part of the defenders governor duplex at pondicherry had seen with surprise the result of clive's dash upon arcot he had however perceived that the operation there was wholly secondary and that trichinopoly was still the all-important point the fall of this place would more than neutralize clive's success at arcot and he therefore did not suffer clive's operations to distract his attention here strong reinforcements and a battering train were sent forward to the besiegers and by repeated messages he endeavored to impress upon law and shunda sahib the necessity of pressing forward the capture of trichinopoly but duplex was unfortunate in his instruments law was always hesitating and doubting chunda sahib although clever to plan was weak in action indecisive at moments when it was most necessary that he should be firm so then in spite of the entreaties of duplex he had detached a considerable force to besiege clive duplex seeing this and hoping that clive might be de detained at arcot long enough to allow of the siege of trichinopoly being brought to a conclusion had sent the three hundred french soldiers to strengthen the force of riza sahib he had still an overpowering force at trichinopoly law having nine hundred trained fresh soldiers a park of fifty guns two thousand sepoys and the army of shunder sahib twenty thousand strong inside trichinopoly was a few english soldiers under captain cope and a small body of troops of muhammad ali 
while outside the walls between them and the besiegers was the english force under gingen the men utterly dispirited the officer without talent resolution or confidence before leaving the troops with which he had won the battle of arney clive had expressed to the two young writers his high appreciation of their conduct during the siege of arcot and promised them that he would make it a personal request to the authorities at fort st david that they might be permanently transferred from the civil to the military branch of the service and such a request made by him was certain to be complied with he strongly advised them to spend every available moment of their time in the study of the native language as without that they would be useless if appointed to command a body of sepoys delighted at the prospect now open to them of a permanent relief from the drudgery of a clerk's life in madras the young fellows were in the highest spirits and tim kelly was scarcely less pleased when he heard that charlie was now likely to be always employed with him the boys lost not a moment in sending down to madras to engage the services of a native moochie or teacher they wrote to their friend johnson asking him to arrange terms with the man who understood most english and to engage him to remain with them some time few days later tim kelly came in please your honours there's a little shrivelled otomy of a man outside as wants to speak with ye he looks for all the world like a monkey wrapped up in white clothes but he speaks english after a fashion and has brought this letter for you the creature scarce looks like a human being and i misdoubt me whether you had better let him in nonsense tim charlie said opening the letter it's the moonshee we are expecting from madras he has come to teach us the native language moonshine is it by jabbers it's a mighty poor compliment to the moon to call him so and is it the language you're going to learn now sure mr charles i wouldn't demean myself by larnin the lingo of these black heathens isn't for them to larn the english and maybe and mighty pleased they ought to be to get themselves to spake like christians but who's going to teach them tim oh they learn fast enough said tim you only got to point to a bottle of water or to the fire or whatever else you want and swear at them and they understand directly i tried it myself over and over again there tim it's no use standing talking any longer bring in the moonshee from that moment the little man had his permanent post in a corner of the boys room and when they were not on duty they were constantly engaged in studying the language writing down the names of every object they came across and getting it by heart and learning every sentence question and answer which occurred to them as likely to be useful as for tim he quite lost patience at this devotion to study on the part of his master who he declared to his comrades went on just as if he intended to become a nigger and a heathen himself it's just awful to hear him corporal mcbean jabbering away in that foreign talk with that little black monkey moonshine the little crator acquisting his shriveled finger about that looks as if the bones were coming through the skin i wonder what the good father at blarney where i come from you know corporal would say to sich goings on faith then 
and if he were here i'd buy a bottle of holy water and sprinkle it over the little hathen i suspect he'd fly straight up the chimney when it touched him my opinion of you tim kelly the corporal who was a grave scotchman said you're just a fuel your master is a brave young gentleman and is a deal more sensible than most of them who spend all their time in drinking wine and playing cards a knowledge of the language is most useful what would you do yourself if you were to marry a native woman and couldn't speak to her afterwards the saints the fondest the tim exclaimed and what put such an idea in your head corporal it's neither more nor less than an insult to suppose that i a decent boy and brought up under the teachings of father o'shea should marry a heathen black woman and if you weren't my superior officer corporal i'd teach you better manners fortunately at this moment charlie's voice was heard shouting for his servant and tim was therefore saved from the breach of the peace which his indication showed that he mediated december passed quietly and then in january seventeen fifty two an insurrection planned by duplex broke out the governor of pondicherry had been suffering keenly from disappointments which as time went on and his entreaties and commands to law to attack tricanopoly were answered only by excuses and reasons for delay grew to despair and he resolved upon making another effort to occupy the attention of the man in whom he already recognized a great rival and to prevent his taking steps for the relief of tricanopoly law had over and over again assured him that in the course of a very few weeks that place would be driven by famine to surrender and as soon as clive arrived at port st david duplex set about taking steps which would again necessitate his return to the north and so give to law the time which he asked for supplies of money were sent to riza sahib together with four hundred french soldiers these marched suddenly upon punari mali and captured it seized again the fortified temple of conjuvarium and from this point threatened both madras and arcot had this force possessed an active and determined commander it could undoubtedly carry out duplex's instructions captured madras and inflicted a terrible blow upon the english fortunately it had no such head it marched indeed against madras plundered and burnt the factories levied contributions and obtained possession of everything but the fort where the civilians and a few men who constituted the garrison daily expected to be attacked in which case the place must have fallen this however the enemy never even attempted contenting themselves with ravaging the place outside the walls of the fort the little garrison of arcot two hundred men in all were astonished at the news that the province which they had thought completely conquered was again in flames that the road to madras was cut by the occupation of conjuvarium by the french and that madras itself was save the fort in the hands of the enemy the fort itself they knew might easily be taken as they were aware that it was defended by only eighty men the change in the position was at once manifest in the altered attitude of the fickle population the main 
body of the inhabitants of southern india were hindus who had for centuries been ruled by foreign masters the mohammedans from the north had been their conquerors and the countless wars which had taken place to them signified merely whether one family or another were to reign over them the sole desire was for peace and protection and they therefore ever inclined towards the side which seemed strongest their sympathies were no stronger with their mohammedan rulers than with the french or english and they only hoped that whatever power was strongest might conquer and that after the hostilities were over their daily work might be conducted in peace and their property and possessions be enjoyed in security the capture and defence of arcot and the battle of arni had brought them to regard the english as their final victors and the signs of deep and ever servile respect which greeted the conquerors wherever they went and which absolutely disgusted charlie marryat and his friend were really sincere marks of the welcome to masters who seemed able and willing to maintain their rule over them with the news of the successes of reza sahib all this changed the natives no longer bent to the ground as the english passed them in the street the country people who had flocked in with their products to the markets absented themselves altogether and the whole population prepared to welcome the french as their new masters in the fort the utmost vigilance was observed the garrison labored to mend the breaches and complete the preparations for defence provisions were again stored up and they awaited anxious news from clive that enterprising officer was at fort st davis busy in making his preparations for a decisive campaign against the enemy round trichinopoly when the news of the rising reached him he was expecting a considerable number of fresh troops from england as it was in january that the majority of the reinforcements dispatched by the company arrived in india and mr saunders had written to calcutta begging that a hundred men might be sent thence these were now with the eighty men at madras and the two hundred at arcot all the force that could be at his disposal for at fort st david there was not a single available man with all the effort that clive aided by the authorities can make it was not until the middle of february that he had completed his arrangements on the ninth the hundred men arrived from bengal and without the loss of a day clive started from madras to form a junction with the garrison from arcot who leaving only a small force to hold the fort had moved down to meet him. End of chapter 8